0: Welcome to the Pastor to Pastor Podcast, where we aim to bring content and discussions that will build up and hold up pastors and their families as they pursue the call of God in their lives and their ministries. We pray that this episode leaves you encouraged and equipped to thrive as a minister or pastor in the kingdom of God. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the next episode of the Pastor to Pastor Podcast. Uh, My name is Brad Livingston. With me is Dan Livingston. Hello, hello. Founder of our church, um, pastor ministry, for how many years? Full time.
1: Uh, Full time was uh, thirty nine. Thirty
0: nine. So
1: in uh, ministry itself, forty two.
0: So uh, he's uh, he's got way more experience than I do, um, and so we've got some a topic we want to bring to you guys today about guarding yourself from the gymnastics. And uh, I, I don't know how many pastors are doing cartwheels, so let me explain what we mean by that. Um, I don't know about you, but I found myself constantly jumping through hoops, trying to keep everyone in my church happy. Yeah. Um, or at least I did for a long time. And, and um, I've really been able to identify ways in which I can start approaching that from a healthier level. But we want to talk to you guys a little bit today about getting the vision and moving forward and whoever goes with you goes with you. And trying to figure out how to navigate the conversations within your own head, and also with other people about whoever can't, can't. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and I think to start off, we have to all be honest and say, as pastors, no matter who they are, how much of a pain somebody might have been, <laughs> it hurts when somebody leaves your church. Man, it hurts. You know, uh, you feel like, okay, where did I fail? What did I do wrong? Uh, what could I have done better? And you start putting the mirror, the, the spotlight on yourself every time. Mm. And and that's just, man, that's the whole plan of the enemy right there. Because mm. now mentally, whether physically we do anything more or not, mentally, that owns us. Mm. We No matter where we are, what we're doing, we're thinking about that person, why they left, what I could have done different. And we forget the 99 that Jesus talks about mm-hmm. that's out there ready to run through hell with a squirt gun with us. And we're just overwhelmed our mind with this one person that walked out. Man. The term today is ghosted. Ghosted. You know, I oh. got ghosted. You know, you pour your life into a person, into a family, you're a priest to them, you marry them, you bury them, you counsel them, you do all of this, you sew into them, and then suddenly one Sunday they disappear. That's it. And didn't tell you, didn't talk to you, and next thing you know, they're at another church and and they're on uh, social media talking about how wonderful it is oh, and man. didn't even let it's you know brutal. they were leaving. Oh,
0: right? it's brutal. It's too real. I know real. you haven't experienced it yet. It's too real. <laughs> oh, it's too real. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that may or may not have happened semi recently, uh, for us. Yeah, no, it is hard, man. And I, I, I saw someone post on uh, Twitter the other day and, and it started to kind of make its way around Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and a few other places. But they were saying that, um, yeah, you know, it was, uh, the person tweeting was a, a daughter of a pastor. And she said, I remember being on family vacation and my dad had to fly home early because a family in the church's son went into the hospital. They left the church six months later because my dad doesn't do enough for them. Wow. And, uh, I thought to myself, yeah, 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 I can, I, I, unfortunately, uh, I think we all know what that feels like, um, to give your heart and soul. Um, and, and for them to just kind of, for them to walk away and, um, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I think there's a lot of times where people walk away from churches because pastors aren't making great decisions and there's character issues and all that. but we're going to take all that aside for a second and just deal with the fact that there are some people who aren't buying into your vision, right? And rather than doing g- gymnastics, to try to mold your vision or pivot your vision for them. You know, I have a saying here on staff. I use it with my staff. I don't use it with the congregation, but I use it with the staff um, that my culture can't be hijacked. Right. My vision's not for sale. In other words, I know what God spoke to us and we're unapologetic about it. And if you can't get on board with that, it doesn't matter to me what you give here because it's my vision is not for sale and my culture can't be hijacked. So um, I don't know how much people give in our church, which is cool because I can literally stand behind that statement. Um, but at the end of the day, like you, you, I, you're not going to do that. So, so what we come in contact with, and maybe you can share on, you know, your experience in this, cause you, again, you've been in ministry longer, but um, the temptation to give in to people, that want you to use for the lack of, you know, for the sake of conversation, gymnastics, they want you to jump through hoops to make what they want this church to be possible. And you're like, you either don't feel like that's what God called this church to or what, how do you navigate that? I mean, what, what goes through your head? I know it goes through my head, but what goes through your head? What's your experience in that?
1: Well, I, I think there's many, I'm going to answer that, but mm-hmm. before I do, um, Where your ministry at has a direct effect on what you feel you can do. If you've got a church of 5,000 people and unlimited resources, you Mm. can go, well, if they don't like it. (laughs) And if you're a pastor out here with 50 people trying to survive every week and one family's going, well, pastor, if you don't go this route, and we're leaving. Mm. That's a totally different Ugh. ball game that you're in. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. It's, it's and you've really, been there. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> you know, I haven't been the five thousand, but I've been where the church could financially we weren't gonna sink if somebody left. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And and I've been there well, wow, if I, if they leave, I don't know what we're how we're even gonna survive. Yeah, you know. And but yet you have to go back, and thankfully I did, you know. Uh, go back to, you know what, God, this is what I know God spoke to me and and it's not negotiable. Yep. Uh, I, I don't answer to this family. I answer to God. And, and if I don't know that I'm hearing from God with that type of clarity, I really don't need to be in that position to take on the responsibility of people's souls when I'm getting up on Sunday morning going, this is what God said. Hmm. So we have to make that decision first and then when it comes to, okay, where, where's the clarity? And and I think that's one of the things, you know, that again, I'm gonna go back to my generation. I'm in my, my mid fixing to be real mid sixties. But um, you know, when, when you were having to do everything and I'm not using that as a scapegoat, I'm just saying you, you, there wasn't the time that Mm. you really should have had Mm. To get with God and just hear clarity from God and have that ability to rest in it. We would hear it, but then we would war through it, you know, rather than rest in it. Wow. And so now you've got I'm tired physically, I'm trying to be a husband to my wife, father to my kids, take care of this 100, 200, 300 people, hearing so many different opinions. And then you're trying to get clarity on that, and and it's it's not easy. Mm. It's a war within itself. But going back to your your uh, question, I've always tried. I, I've always feared the pulpit. I've always feared. When I say fear, I, when I get in it, I've been with God. Mm. I, I haven't just read somebody else's book, and I'm not saying that I didn't draw from what other people said, but there was always that time with God hearing from God and getting a clear word that I felt like God told me to preach. yeah. And then the vision of the house had to be clear on what's our vision, what are we here for. Um, today it's way more detailed than it was <laughs> in my generation. You know, My clear vision was we're called to reach the unchurched in all walks of life and disciple them in their walk with God. That was clear, we're going after the unsaved. Yeah of all races, of all nationalities, of all walks of life, prostitute, drug addict, banker. We don't care, but that's our vision, and we're going to get them, and we're going to bring them into a true relationship with Christ. Today is way more detailed than that. But um, but we, we had people that didn't agree with that always. You know, we, we would see prostitutes come in in skimpy outfits, and we would have people go, with Pastor, I really need to talk to you. You know, I really don't want to see that in church. Well, if we're going to see it, that's the best place to see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Better than a bar. Yeah. And, and you go
0: to the beach for the record. Yeah, so. and you do go to the beach. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. You don't have to go to the beach now; just go to the mall. Seriously. Yeah but, uh, yeah. but anyway, you know what I'm saying is that there was always, at times, not always, but there would be that challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, well, pastor, I can't. You know, we we had someone get saved at a church I pastored that had AIDS. Mm-hmm. and publicly everybody knew they had AIDS. They were in HIV, let me gotcha. say. They weren't okay. in full-blown AIDS. They were in HIV. And um, they were in a wheelchair, and they could not walk. They were sick. And um, God ministered healing on a Sunday night, and that person got up and ran around the sanctuary Come on. multiple times. Wow. And and did not get back in that wheelchair for year, I guess, years. But... Um, Someone came to me and said, I can't, my family and I can't be attending here with someone that's HIV positive. And I said, we're going to miss you. That's right. Because that's the reason we're here. (laughs) There is a welcome sign out there, right? (laughs) You know, we have announced to the world and to our community, how many weeks that everyone's welcome, come as you are? Yeah. And someone did. Yeah. And Jesus healed them while they were here. That's it. And now we're going to say, either they go or I go, it's not going to be them.
0: Yeah, right. Right. You know? Later.
1: And, and you know, I guess Pastor Hagee, who we're very, you know, we're friends with Pastor John Hagee. We work together with Christians United for Israel. And he's been such an influence in my life and now in my family and this church with things that we learned from him. But he made a statement I'll never forget. He said, uh, Every person that enters the doors of your church has potential being a blessing, some by staying, some by leaving. He said, Don't chase the one leaving, mm-hmm. feed the one that's staying. Yep and and again none of us want people to leave sure but like you're saying we can't go out here and start doing jumping jacks and calisthenics mm-hmm. on oh my god what do i do what do i do next yeah, you know yeah, if yeah. i do 25 jumping jacks will you stay right you know it's no here's where we're going and i and i appreciate this about you brad i'll say pastor brad brad, on brad the side. is fine but um <laughs> i say pastor brad all the time but uh anyway, when when you took over lead pastor, one of the things that I've shared with pastors when you weren't there is that God gave you a clarity of the lanes that TC was to run in, and you made those lanes very very public, and no no detour from these. Yeah. To a point that there were times that I I came to you and said, Hey, this this ministry contacted me, and they were they would like to come by, and you would look at me and you go, What lane do they fit in? mm Hmm. Uh, none. Okay. Then we can't have them. Yeah. You know, and that I appreciated, you know, because it was clarity of the vision of the house. This is where we're going. And anything that's not going here, then we, we can't spend time Yeah, and energy and resources. Resources. Definitely. And, and so it's the same way with people, you know, I I love what Scott Thomas said, you know, our great friend Scott, (laughs) when, you know, I called him one time when somebody left the church, he's, he said, "Damn, people's been leaving my church from the very first Sunday I started. <laughs> I said, oh, I feel better yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, What'd you start with? Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, and it's true. It's true. A lot of them, we don't even know who they are. Everybody they came, leave. they left, you yeah. know? But it's those that you sow into so much. That's, a, that's what makes it hard. And that makes it hard. But, you know, the reality is that if they're not going with you, mm-hmm. let them go so... It doesn't mean that they're bad people. You yeah. know, when... um Um, I'm trying to think now. Oh, wow. Anyway, we'll keep going. I was, I was thinking something, but I want to get clarity on it, but, uh, we've got to realize like when, when we transitioned, yeah, you know, when we transitioned, you and a pastor, we knew by statistics that there was going to be a shift in the church that some would leave that, that, you know, giving might go down and probably would. And we knew what the statistics said on an unhealthy transition we also knew what it said on a healthy transition. Yep. And and a healthy transition was gonna be somewhere around the thirty percent mark. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, we didn't see that immediately. No. We saw maybe fifteen percent, if I'm correct. Ten, 10 to fifteen yep. percent. And we were like, Wow, this is good. We're at fifty percent. And then over and, the then. Sex, <laughs> and then over the, the next three to six months we saw yeah. it reach thirty. Yeah. And you know what? Yeah. They weren't bad people. No. They were people that still support me and you and TC. They just didn't fit in where you were taking the church. They weren't it was bad different. people. They just
0: weren't our people.
1: They just weren't our people That's to right. stay. And they yep. love us today. They contact us. We still go out to eat with them. Uh, we're friends. You don't have to be a member of my church to be my friend. But yep. it, it was a realization that I don't own people. I own a vision and a calling. And, Absolutely. And, uh, and I've got to keep focused to that. Yep and let whoever wants to go with me go. Mm -hmm. And those that don't, I I don't control them, nor am I going to hold animosity toward them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it bothers Mm -hmm. me when I hear people, pastors especially, go, you know, well, they left my church. I don't talk to them anymore. Well, that should be based on how they left.
0: Yeah, you know, Because some lead shady. Yes, there are people, like we've had that happen. They they ghost you, and
1: then they talk about you, you know. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and that hurts, but- you know there we have to come to realization like you said if i'm going to stay focused on where the church is going then i can't be out here doing all these gymnastics trying to figure out how do i keep the people that's talking about leaving
0: yeah well and that was one thing you know one thing i've told especially young pastors you know cuz young pastors people come and trying to figure out who you are you know what i mean I, I think i think that people when they meet an older pastor when i say older 55 and up it doesn't take them long to figure out who that person is. Um, but I feel like with a younger pastor, they have more reservations. And so they, they want to see what's going on. And they'll come and they'll and they'll figure it out. And you know, it's fun, whatever, that's fine. I don't have any feelings towards that. But one thing I've told younger pastors that have stepped into churches that already existed or people have left or whatever is the same thing I found out. I say some people are called to the house and some people are called to the person. Right. And when the person changes, talking about the pastor. So right. some people are called to the house, but some people are called to the pastor. And when the pastor changes, their location changes. Just because some people were called to serve under you, they weren't called to transformation. They weren't called to TC, they were called to you. Mm-hmm. And when you stepped over and I stepped up, they're calling shifted now they're going to the next place or next person that God is going to take them to and you know what that's fine because I I don't want people at transformation church that are constantly saying well I wish it was still right well the way pastor Dan did it was yeah. well I you know quite frankly like I'd rather like I you know how I am I'm a cut and dry person for those of you that don't know me like I don't like blah, it is what it is. It's going to be what it's going to be. That's my mentality towards people. Like I have a very, like, I don't care, forget you, you know, borderline screw you mentality. So I, I just blah, I don't care. Um, but it does hurt when people leave. Like I will say that, but all that to say is you like you're, I envy your compassion for people. Cause you're way more compassionate for people than I am. Um, so like I, As I've watched you over the years, I've just noticed, and that's one thing I've just accepted, some people are there for the house. And when the leadership changed hands, they stayed because they were connected to the house. And some people were there for the head of the house, the the pastor, the person. And when that person is no longer the head, God moved them to the next place they would be. And they need to be there. They should go there. And so pastors that are out there you're trying to jump through hoops and do gymnastics to keep people that God is obviously moving somewhere else. Let them go. Yeah. You're going to hurt yourself trying to keep them. And even what you said, you know, um, I appreciate that. You know, yeah, I'm a, um, Andy Stanley says, you know, people, we can afford to be uncertain, but we can't afford to be unclear. Um, and for me, clarity is big, but the reason I know that, and this is why it's so important what we talked about before in other, other podcast episodes, the reason this is important that we bring up young ministers, we let them experience ministry. We don't hide them from the ugly parts of it. We bring them into it. We train them. We develop them. A lot of what I know is because I watched you have to navigate conversations that you did everything you could and they still left. Like you, I mean, you did everything you could. at moments. Even I was like, just let it go. I mean, it doesn't even matter anymore. Like just tell them to go worship somewhere else. And you are like, no, I want to try to salvage this. I care about this person. And I'm sitting there like, whatever. Um, And you did everything you could and they still left. And I watched that and you let me be part of that in ministry because we knew what was coming for me is that one day I got to sit in this chair and I got to make these decisions. And part of what gave me the confidence to speak the clarity and hold to it, even when I feel like the tides may be shifting or whatever. And, and, and what causes me to get out in front of our people often with vision is because i watched as people. And again, we were a smaller church where, you know, you're, you you're, you are a little easier swayed because if these four, these four families make up 40% of the church's budget or whatever, not to say that was how you were making decisions. I'm just saying, I can see how it would be easier to make decisions that way. Um, You know, I know one instance in particular, you know, we, um, we had a women's ministry that I had to kill. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and um, I, I was new on staff. Well, I was, I was not new to ministry, but I was new on staff and, you know, we had a conversation, um, when I came on staff to, just to kind of give clarity. When I came on staff, my role, um, was to execute what your vision was. So it's like you, God gave you clarity on where we were to go for the next five years. At the end of those five years, we were going to transition. And so, you know, I asked you, all right, what is it that you want? Cause I'm going to execute what you want. Um, and we said, we want to do groups and we want like, we, you know, we went through the whole thing and I think there was, a half a dozen conversations where, you know, you were having conversations with other people that wanted these things in the church. And you were coming to me and saying, how do we make this work where we can do this and do that? And my response to you was, I don't think we can. And so if you want to do that, I work for you. If you want to do that, then that's what we do. But I want to remind you that what you said a year ago was that we were going to do this over here and we can so we can come off of the vision that you had a year ago to chase this thing but i'm just telling you that this thing is going to kill the thing you feel like god told you and every time you you you're stuck with what you knew god was telling you but the reason i tell that story is you know in even in that particular instance I, I watched you jump through hoop after hoop after hoop and do everything you could to care for the person, care for the ministry and even show them how they could continue. It just had to fit into where God was taking us. And after all of that exhaustion and meetings, they still left. Mm-hmm. And I was, I observed that and went, you know what? It's not that I don't care about people, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to jump through I'm going to make it clear from the beginning and you can get on the boat or you can get off the boat, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to jump through hoops to try to keep people or anything like that when it comes to ministry style and tactics and any of those things. Now I do have a way that I'm guilty of doing gymnastics, but I'll let you talk first and then I'll come back to my other stuff. You're doing good. (laughs) Yeah. Good.
1: No, I, I I, I think one of the things that eliminates a lot of this, Now we're never going to stop people from leaving because we're always hopefully growing with new people. Sure. But one of the things that we see here at Transformation Church that is just uh, a joy to me being a founding pastor is uh, my main mentor in the ministry, Burt Clendenin, was asked a question years ago when I was just a young, young preacher at a conference and they said, well, if you could do anything in a ministry different that would make you more successful, what would it be? And he said, I would have invested more in the children. I would not have waited until they became adults. And then he made a statement that I started building our ministry around at that mm-hmm. point. He said, when the children of your ministry become the leading adults in your ministry under your leadership, you have a mature church. Yep. Until then, you don't. And today I get to walk in on Sundays and a vast majority of the leaders of Transformation Church today used to be the children grabbing me around the knee. They're mm-hmm. not leaving.
0: No, they're not. They're, they're not here.
1: leaving. They don't care if you preach something that just makes them mad as fire. Mm-hmm. We've gone through racial issues, social issues, all types of injustice, COVID. things that are splitting churches in half.
0: COVID mass, no mass, vaccine, no vaccine. And it's
1: not affected us because these right. are our spiritual children. That's it. And they're 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 with you as a spiritual father, and you as a spiritual brother, whether they agree with you or not, they're not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, this is they're they're called to the house. They're called to the house, yeah.
1: and so I, I challenge pastors that kind of throwing this in here. Um, my kids, they look for me on Sunday morning for with a bucket of candy. You <laughs> yeah. know the lollipop. All the man. little kids go, yeah, yeah. He's he's got candy and, uh, out there. And so even the ones that are coming up under your ministry now, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're when, still when going I, to you. No, when I give them a lollipop, <laughs> I say now when you you always remember when they ask you who's your favorite pastor, it's Pastor Dan. It's Pastor Dan, <laughs> and we get a good laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're out there doing the same thing I did. Yep. And these kids feel comfortable around you. They're coming to yeah. you, and I watch that. Yeah. And uh, parents are bringing their kids to you. Yeah. You know. And listen, when you raise them up in the house, they're not leaving you unless God tells them to go and minister somewhere. They're with you That's for it. life.
0: That's it. So true. So you know. true. Yeah. And that's what's that's what's key is, you know, um, children of the house, you know, raising them up and, and, and again, empowering them, right? giving them opportunities. I remember, uh, I, you know, I've I've visited a number of churches and, um, pat, you know, preached at different churches and done leadership sessions at other churches and all those things. And I remember I was at a church one time. I won't won't say who or where, but I was I was at a church one time and I was talking to the leadership and I'm looking at the leadership and everyone in the leadership was like in their late 50s, early 60s. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, "Man, we really gotta." I'm, I'm going to talk to the pastor about this because we really got to shift this. Maybe some in their 40s, but still, nonetheless. Um, and they kept saying, "Well, the youth do this, and the youth do this, and the youth do this, and you do this. And I was like, "Man, I wonder where." where? And I'm looking. I was like, "Where are these youth?" And I don't because I don't see them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, I said, "Wait, who? Where are these youth?" And they pointed, and it was all like the 25 year olds. Wow. and I was like. I thought you said youth. And they're like, well, we consider, I was like, that's the problem. That's young adults right there. (laughs) I, I said, I said, let me give you a rundown of my team real quick. I said, I got my oldest staff member outside of Pastor Dan, who's our founding pastor. I said, our oldest staff members at that time, 34. I said, I'm 33. At the time I was 33. I said, my next oldest staff member is 29. The one under them is 27. I said, when it comes to my coaches which is my or when it comes to my directors i said 25 26 and 26 when it comes to my coaches which is that that is our department heads i said 22 i was looking up in our yeah. planning center 22 23 25 i said i got one that's 31 i was like yeah i, I said you guys are waiting till they turn 30 to give them a shot and I was like, yeah. I said, don't get me wrong. I got to have the same conversations I I know you had, which is when they make a stupid decision and people come to you about that stupid decision, you go, I know. Let's give them grace. They're only 23. I know I did stupid things in ministry. I'm sure people knocked on your door and was like, hey, Pastor Dan, Brad, I don't think he, you know, I'm sure you had people like, I don't think he's cut out for this. I'm sure people told you that. And it's like, and it's like, no, he's 21.
1: Can, can I jump in real quick? Sure. I had those conversations when you first came lead pastor. Mm-hmm. You were the, but it was yeah. your first pastor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and people that, they weren't attacking you, they yeah. were just like. 31 you? years old. And I would go, this is his first pastor. You got to give him some grace period. Yeah. He's learning. <laughs> he, he hadn't been pastoring for 30. It's like being a husband, then a father. Yeah, right. Okay. You don't know how to be a father until, until you've been you a father. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And and I would say and they did, thank sure. God they did, yeah. and they're a vital part of our church today. But right. it was like they went from someone that had longevity as a pastor yep. to a brand new pastor, and it was like, are you sh- giving some time? You will see. Yeah,
0: yeah, we'll see. You know? Yeah, and here here we, are. I, mean, here we I mean, are. I guess they're still here. I don't I don't know who they. No, we're always a student. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. no, I said I guess they're still here. I oh don't yeah, know who I they are. Yeah. Say, see, um, right. but yeah, and so I, and that's why I was t- I was like guys. I said, you got to give, I said, if you wait till they're 30, they're going somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Like, listen, I'm, you know, like, and that's what I tell people all the time. I tell leaders all the time. I'm like, listen, if you got high capacity leaders on your team and you're not giving them a shot, they're going to go somewhere else. Great leaders are going to go t- and find other great leaders to lead them because they're not going to lead in unhealthy environments. So, yeah. um, so yeah, like these, sometimes what we need to do, you know, again, we're, we're, we're jumping through hoops to keep people that are trying to leave. But meanwhile, the people that are here. We're not giving them opportunities and we gotta give them opportunities like doing these gymnastics to, so again, try to keep people happy or keep people pleased or whatever. And it's like, man, if you would just put your attention on this next generation, we'll do a whole, I mean, we'd probably do a whole, uh, episode on, on leading the next generation, um, of young people in our churches. But, um, cause I'm, I'm big on that. I give people undeserved opportunities, you know, like find a fine low risk environment I mean, there's a whole thing that I've got for that. And so, yeah, we'll probably, we'll probably do that, but do the, the gymnastics. And, and so I, I'm not guilty of doing gymnastics to keep people in my church. Um, What I am guilty of, and I've recently started coming to grips with this, I am guilty of doing gymnastics to try to keep people happy. So not happy as in, you know, going against the vision, but happy as in um, creating emotional exhaustion on myself Trying to find or create the perfect scenario where everybody's, everybody like where it's right, yeah. where everyone's happy, and you know, so if I can just meet with them, I can probably settle this. Um, again, not vi- not like vision problems, but just people problems, you know. Um, and I've even been guilty of apologizing for the right decision, yeah, to try to appease somebody. And I remember talking to my counselor one time, and uh, I was just like, I was telling him about it. I had to go into the session and I, or I had to go into this meeting and, and I kind of gave him the rundown of the meeting and he, he looked right at me. And he said, whatever you do, don't apologize. And I was like, no, of course I wouldn't apologize. And then it hit me. I absolutely would have apologized. I, I, I would have apologized for making the right decision. And he said, don't apologize for making the right decision. You can, uh, you can acknowledge that you could have communicated the right decision more effectively but don't be sorry for making the right Right. decision, even if they don't like it. Um, And I finally had to come to grips with the reality that some people just don't know what I know. You know, me and me and our executive guy here, we talk about it often. It's like, you have the luxury of not knowing what I know. So you telling me how I should have done something doesn't mean I should have done it that way. Right. It's like, you've never been, you've never even properly ran a fryer at McDonald's, but you want to tell me how to run a, however many member church <laughs> and it's yeah. like, you know, so all that to say is I've dealt, I've, I've been guilty of that in the past. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and it's easy to fall into that.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: very, very easy. No, and you know, again, I want to say this pastors aren't right all the time, but I want to say about 98% you're usually right in <clears throat> in a situation in your church. You're the overseer. Yeah. And, you know, there may be a time or two that you just didn't see some things, but I want to say the vast majority, you know, you're the overseer. God's letting you see things. He's speaking into your heart truth. And, you know, we've got to be careful that we don't let the enemy talk us out of what's right.
0: Mm, that's good. You know, that's good. If
1: we're not right, the vast majority of the time we shouldn't be in that position because mm-hmm. we're not seeing clearly.
0: That's good. You know, That's good. Yeah, I told a leader recently, um, I said, what do you feel like is the right move? They were a leader at a different church. What do you feel like is the right move? They said, well, I feel like it's this, but I don't know if everyone's going to agree with me. I said, how much do you think they're praying about it? He said, they probably aren't. I said, and you are. I said, so regardless of what they think. yeah. At, at the end of the day, the reason we sit in the chair we sit in as pastors is because God has entrusted us to make these decisions. And yeah, people are going to have a problem with it because... It's not their decision, you know, like I, I, I know of people, there's not a lot in our church, but I know of people that the reason they have a problem with the decision that's being made is because they weren't the one that got to make it. They would have made the same decision just because they didn't get to make it. They don't like it. Yeah. It's like, man, you've got so many of those variables right in front of you. Um, there's not a perfect scenario, right? People don't know what you know as a pastor. Yeah. They think so-and-so should be in charge and you know that so-and-so is cheating on his wife. So, you know, he shouldn't be in charge, but they think he should or, or whatever. And you're not like, going
1: to violate his and trust. You, right.
0: So you just got to bite the so bullet. You're the, yeah. You're, yeah, you're the one making a dumb yeah. decision because they think so-and-so should be in charge and you know that so-and-so is not capable or, or whatever. And that, and that's the whole thing is it's like, man, at the end of the day, the right, the perfect scenario never exists. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning at 35 years old as a pastor of a reasonably large church is that the perfect scenario never exists. I can't keep everyone happy. I wish I could. Um, I think it's because I can be a jerk that I <laughs> that I want to make people happy. Um, when I say a jerk, not as a pastor, but as a boss, CEO, like that framework, um, I know it's because I can be very straightforward, very blunt, you know, um, that I feel like I need to over, um, like over exaggerate my niceness or my desire to make things perfect and, I'm finding out that I can't, um, which that weaves into some personal stuff that I have about people leaving me and trying to keep people close to me and always feeling like people are leaving. That's definitely not for today's podcast, but, um, I, I deal with some of those things that my counselor is working with me on. Um, and, and that has led me to recognize how I do try to find the perfect scenario where everyone will be happy because if everyone's happy, no one leaves. Yeah. And if no one leaves and everything is good. Um, but that's not true. People staying that are a cancer to your ministry is a bad thing. I don't care what they give. I don't care how influential they are. If they're a cancer to your ministry, they're not good for you. Um, and you need to let them go. And so that's a hard thing, but it's where we are. So yeah, doing, doing gymnastics is tough.
1: It is, it (laughs) is. But, you know, I think we decide how high the bar gets raised that we have to jump. Yeah, that's really good. You know, mm-hmm. uh, how we look at it, you know, like you said, I kept raised, I had situations where I just kept raising the bar and making it harder and harder to jump when at one point we should have just said, we don't jump any higher than this. That's as far as we're going to go. And if you can't adjust to what we're saying, then the conversation is over. You got to make some decisions, It's hard. but rather we just keep raising the bar you know, trying to uh, win people over a little bit, you know, or a lot. And so yep. it's just knowing what you're called to do, where God's called you to go, having clarity on the vision that God's called and the culture that God's called you to create.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I love that about the house here that the culture is not negotiable, you know,
0: you and uh, it's who we
1: are. Yep. And uh, man, when you can walk into a sanctuary or a lobby and I think there's every race in Pensacola there and every social standing. um, Demographics, age. Demographic, age. And know that we're experiencing heaven on earth. um, You know, uh, I'm not going to mess that up. I'm going to thank God for it. But if that group of people can just determine in their heart to get along Mm. with all this stuff that's out there to make us hate each other and to divide, uh, it can be done. It can be done. And I think, you know, you and I have said this over and over. People ask us all the time. I've been asked for, you know, 40 years, how do you how do you build a multiracial church? And my answer has been, I don't know. I've never tried. It's just happened that we way.
0: Live, we live this way.
1: That we live this way. I live <laughs> yeah. with people. I don't live life with my race. I live life with people of all walks of life. Yep. I, most of my socializing is with unchurched people as much as church people. Yep. Um, you know, and... You just walk Jesus, man. You live Jesus, yep. and we reach people. Your the church should be a reflection of the community. Yeah. And when and I think that's another thing that impacts this. Uh, the church is missing out on a lot of gifts that's supposed to be in that church, that's not there. So now we're having to downgrade our our culture and our vision and our requirements of people to be a part of it that are eventually going to leave us anyway. Mm -hmm. And we've got people right outside our doors that could be enhancing our ministry. They just don't feel welcome in our house. And that's Mm -hmm. a totally different podcast too. But you know, when we're talking about doing hurdles, maybe we create some of those hurdles rather than other people. That's good. You know?
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's totally true. And I think that, you know, I think that in that, you know, then even we've talked about like how people leave, you know, it's like people leave the church and it's like, You know, I, 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 I'm a firm believer, you know, God said, whatever the body needs is in the body. Right. I think that's true for an intact body. I think the problem in 2022 is, especially in our area, I don't know about how it is in other cities and other states, but in our area, everybody everybody just wants to go leave and start their own church, you know? And, uh, and it's one of the things where like, Hey, listen, some pastors out there don't need to be pastors. They're great evangelists. You know, they could be great teachers, but they're not shepherds. They're not pastors. They're not visionaries. Uh, And man, if you feel like that's you and you feel like your church is floundering, but you also don't feel like that's your gift set, that might be something you need to acknowledge. And you might be a killer a gangster number two at somebody else's church Um, but being number one just ain't in the cards for you and there's no shame in admitting that um, and go, if, if, if you're in that season of life, I'm not talking to pastors who are just thinking about quitting cause they're tired or whatever. Um, although that's a very real thing I'm talking about, if you are grappling with and you've got an overseer or somebody that can confirm this may not be your gift set, um, acknowledge that and find a place where you can become a great number two so that you can, or number three or whatever, like go help support somebody else's ministry, um, in God's church in a different way. Um, because a pastor could use someone that's faithful and loyal and caring and can be strong in areas that he's weak in. And so maybe that's for somebody, but, um, but yeah, no, I just think that that's, um, that's so good. And so we have to get past again, the gymnastics, the, these jumping through hoops and jumping over hurdles. And, and even as you said, you know, raising the bar and raising the bar and raising the bar. And, and, uh, I, I tell our leaders, man, anything you pick up is your responsibility to carry. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if if that's how you want to do this, you know, um, I've told people before, it's like, however you start, it's how you have to finish, right. you know? So if you start by raising the bar and, and trying to make everybody happy and accommodating everyone's needs and trying to make everyone whatever, then that's what, that's what you're stuck with. You know um, just like you said earlier, we train people how we, how we're treated. We train people to treat us how, you know, how we tell them to. So if we're constantly doing X, we can't be shocked when they do Y and Z. And so, um, so yeah, just kind of coming to that place. And so that's, that's just, that's, that's, that's good, good perspective from, from you and, and helpful impact. And I just pray that, as pastors, it's something we're able to, to grab a hold of, you know, again, at the end of the day, not everybody that's in your church is in your church. Not everybody that's at your church is there. You know, God may have put them there for the person and not the house. And when those hands exchange, we can't be shocked when they move to the next place, God's going to plant them. It doesn't mean that they're not loyal to the house. It means they were loyal to the person, which is what God put them there for. And we got to be okay with that. And I've had to learn that as well. Um, there is no perfect scenario. Yeah. You're not going to make everything yeah. right.
1: I, I know where our times have gone. I've used this uh, illustration for various things, but it fits here as well. You know, with Gideon's army at 32,000 to start and then God whittled it down. And we know, you know, yep. but he asked him a question each time. He, he said, uh, how many have planted a vineyard and hadn't eaten of it? And thousands raised their hand. He said, well, go home. You're not qualified to fight this battle because their mind would be on their vineyard, not on the war, and they get killed. Mm. He said, how many are engaged to be married but you've not been with your your wife, to be mm-hmm. the, the woman you love? That was right, oh, you gotta go home. Yep. Send them home. Then he took them down to the brook and said uh, to get some water, and those that dipped their hand in the water and kept their eye on the enemy, on what any enemy that could come, he said, you stay, but those that put their face down in the water and took their eye off the battle, he said, you got to go home. And we often preach that, that these were disqualified, and they weren't. Mm-mm. They were as trained for battle as the 300 that did go, yep. but they weren't ready for this battle. Right. And if he had taken them to that battle, they, it was really an act of grace that he sent them home because they're going to die. Mm. An unnecessary death, because we can win with three hundred. We don't need thirty-two thousand if God's in it. So he sent them home not to destroy not because they were disqualified. He sent them home because he cared Mm. and to save their life. Yeah. And and we have to kind of come to that concept in ministry too, that sometimes God's moving people, and it's not always a bad thing. It's he's caring about people. Sometimes people need to, to be taken out of my ministry, not because they're going to cause problems to me, but it's not the right season for them to go into for a war that God's fixing to take our ministry into. Yeah. That's God's God cares more about them than he does as much about them as he does me winning this war. Cause we're going to win with 300 or 32,000.
0: Right. If God wants God, it, God, wants that's what
1: God wants it. Yeah. So oftentimes God's maneuvering people too. And we got to see that. We mm-hmm. know when somebody leaves in a negative, bad yeah, attitude. Right, right, right. But then we also know that there's times God did not take Adam and Eve out of the garden to punish them. He took them out of the garden to eternally protect them because there was a tree of life in it. How many times did we preach, well, there, are, you know, now there's a tree of life there, and they're in a lost condition, so we eat of that tree now?
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And, and I love that. That's in a... Henry Cloud's book, right. You know, um, what's wounds that heal Mm -hmm. powerful, powerful chapter in there on that. And so it's, uh, that we just got to realize that in all this shaking and moving and parts moving, um, we don't let the people that leave negative hurt us and own us. And we don't try to own the people that God's moving for a different reason. Right. You know, there's two dynamics involved.
0: That's so good. That's so good. Well, man, we, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in for another episode with us. And, um, and yeah, you can find out all the information you want on, uh, on the website about pastor to pastor, go to pastor to pastor. Life. And, um, but man, we're just, you know, we want to be a resource to you and our prayers that you would be encouraged, uh, today to realize that God's given you something and he's given you what he didn't give to everybody else, right? right? He gave to Moses what he didn't give to Moses people. The word to Moses people is follow Moses, right? The, the same for Joshua and the same for Elijah and Elisha and same for Paul and right. so on. Like we have to realize that, um, God is going to call us with a vision. Um, and, and here's just one last nugget. I'll give it to you. Um, anyone in your new church, if it's all their way or no way, then it's no way No way because it can't be all their way and God's way. Um, And so just realize that if if someone's demanding that it be their way all the way, um, then it's probably somebody that needs to go um, because it can't be all God's. If God's speaking to you and you're in a disagreement with them, then you just have to recognize that it can't work. So um, just recognize there's not a perfect scenario, um, but there's also not perfect people either. Uh, And so we're going to do our best through prayer and the Holy Spirit leading us to make decisions on what's best for our church. And so we pray that God will do the same thing for you. Uh, All right, guys, Well, we'll catch you next time for the next episode of the Pastor to Pastor podcast. Once again, thank you for joining us for this episode of the Pastor to Pastor podcast. Please subscribe to the channel to catch more episodes as they drop on the first Wednesday of each month. If you want more information about Pastor to Pastor or want to join our network to receive content more regularly. Or if you want to partner with us or support pastors around the country, then go to pastor to get more info. We hope to catch you on the next episode where we will connect again from pastor to pastor.